The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 628 for June 24th, 2018. Carriers kill sharing of customer location data, Sprint and T-Mobile petition the FCC for permission to merge, and the Car Connectivity Consortium releases the Digital Key Spec 1.0. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, before we jump into the news, a special show for you this week. Uh, I'm here in Minneapolis with Joey. Always great to see you, Joey. Good to see you as well, of course. It, yeah, and uh, I thought it'd be fun to to just reflect back for a few minutes uh, for the new listeners to the show on how we got to this point. Uh, so a little history on us. So we're both originally from or have spent the, you know, a big chunk of our lives uh, here in Minnesota, where I am today. Uh, but we didn't know each other growing up. It wasn't until we were both in college that we actually met. That's right. Down in Arizona. Yeah, down in Arizona, and uh, it, we found ourselves uh, across the hall from each other, and ultimately uh, just started hanging out, and and here we are, uh, almost 19 years later. Wow, I can't believe it's that long. Two decades almost, and uh, we uh, we started the show about eight years after that. Uh, that was 1998, call it, and then here we are, 2006. Uh, the cell phone junkie uh, starts, and uh, 12 years ago, that show start. This show started, so we've been doing this for now 12 years. Uh, you joined the show late in 20, uh, 2006, so it was about show 30, and uh, here we are, 12 years, 52 shows a year, now at show 628, uh, but I want to talk about a couple of interesting things when uh, we started doing the show. So this was a full year before the iPhone came out, so think about that for just a minute. Uh, secondly, um, this was a time in which um, the smartphone was uh, market was largely dominated by Blackberries and Trios. Uh, my smartphone of choice at the time of the recording of the first show was the Motorola Q on Verizon. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah, it was uh, high-tech 3G EVDO data speeds at that the time. That was amazing. Um, the Moto Razor was also the most popular phone at that time. So if you remember the Razor, that was the big one out there. And uh, the major sites for getting your news at the time, Wireless Advisor and Howard Forms were the industry tops. Right, and there was not much else. Phone Scoop was just coming onto the scene, uh, and they had uh, a bunch of little news, but uh, it was very short and, and uh, you know, Thing, sites like Engadget were kind of in existence, but they didn't actually do that much coverage of the mobile industry. Yeah, and it was again these these blogs that were really the ones that were providing the majority of the information. And, and more than anything, it wasn't there. Just wasn't the um, the appetite for all of the the mobile you know coverage that there is today. And so I think that was that was the big change. Um, podcasting had only really begun about two years before we started doing this show, and um, Apple had only added podcasts to the iTunes Store about a year before we started uh, this show. So it was relatively new at the time. Really amazing to see how things have changed over the last 12 years. Imagine what 12 years from now will look like. Just think about that. That's 2030. So from the time we started this show till now, and from now until then, uh, that will be 2030. So, uh, but yeah, up here in Minneapolis uh, for uh, a couple of days, and obviously it's great to it's great to be able to do this together as it is always. So, uh, let's jump right in and talk about a little bit of news. So, uh, the Senate has approved legislation uh, that would see a ban against LTE remain in place. So, a vote this past Monday in favor 
of the National Defense Authorization Act uh, went into effect when this was um, uh, something that basically the the Republicans and Democrats together introduced this measure uh, that would restore the penalties that were originally sanctioned against CTE. Uh, And those were done uh, for violating terms of a 2017 agreement over unlawful sales uh, to Iran and North Korea. And beginning in April, the company was cut from the U.S.-made hardware and software uh, cut off, that is, from for a period of seven years. And uh, the company has largely been idle ever since. The Trump administration sought to help ZTE. The Commerce Department reached an agreement with the company. And under the terms of that arrangement, they have to pay a billion-dollar fine, put $400 million in escrow, and change its leadership within 30 days and also accept a U.S.-led compliance officer. Uh, now that the NDAA has passed the Senate, it has to be reconciled with the Congress uh, and then later signed by the president. It's unclear on uh, how this uh, will be resolved, but still uh, yet more you know, pieces of the saga with ZTE in play. So uh, it keeps going. Uh, also, more members of Congress are posing questions about the relationship between Google and Huawei. Republican Senators uh, Tom Cotton and Marco Rubio and Re- Republican Representatives Liz Cheney and Michael Conaway uh, and also Democratic Representative Dutch uh, Rupsberger uh, all signed a letter to, and sent to Google concerning the search giant's recent decision to halt work on Project Maven. And they said, well, we regret that Google did not want to continue the long and fruitful tradition of collaboration between the military and technology companies. We're even more disappointed that Google apparently is more willing to support the Chinese Communist Party than the U.S. military, said the letter. It's not really clear, though, what the ultimate goal is of this inquiry, uh, although I would imagine it just, uh, you know, something to, uh, you know, to get people riled up. Uh, finally, in uh, this, the general news here, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruled that law enforcement must obtain a search warrant in order to track people via cell phone towers. The four, five to four ruling sided with the defendant in the case where police discovered a subject's whereabouts through a cell phone record search without first getting a warrant. The Supreme Court is gathering location data from wireless carriers without a warrant fits the definition of unreasonable search and seizure, uh, which is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, that Fourth Amendment uh, pr- protects not only pro- property interests, but also certain expectations of privacy, read the ruling. Cell tower records often give the government near-perfect surveillance. The ruling sets a legal precedent that will likely impact current and future cases. But I don't think that's really going to change much. I still think a lot of warrantless location data is going to be gathered just because it's like we we do this now and eh, if they either toss it out later, it doesn't matter. It helps us build our case. So then we can find other evidence uh, beforehand, even though that may not technically be admissible. At that point, I, I don't know if a lot of uh, judges are even going to really recognize this. Recognize it and, and do anything about it, really, is the other part of it. So, um, you know, it's because it's going to have to, you know, absolutely be a specific uh, piece uh, to the uh, in the trial that's going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to find it through discovery that this is how, you know, the, they were able to determine the person's whereabouts. And if they can prove that, then it's after that, then saying, okay, so this has got to be thrown out. But Again, you've got it's it's one of those things that it it sounds good, but is it actually going to change the way uh, that uh, surveillance is being done? And the answer is probably no, at least in in, in the ways that it's uh, being reported, because now it has. I mean, they, they've got to be clear about this stuff. Right. And if they're using stingrays, then it's not. It, that's, uh, I think, a different thing altogether because it's not actually getting their information uh, directly. So I, I don't know if that even applies. Yeah, per, yeah, probably not. I mean, first of all, are they don't those have to be signed off by a. a uh, that you've got to have a, a warrant to be able to use one of those anyway. But I'm that, not sure. Yeah. Well, it, there, there's a there's a there's a, a lot of still pieces to this that I think are, are need to uh, 
uh, be resolved. But uh, either way, the the Supreme Court has said, you know, this is what we're, um, you know, what, what we're going to require. So five to four uh, in the uh, must obtain a search warrant in order to track a phone. Uh, in Carrier News, AT&T Thursday added a video service called Watch TV to its top tier plans following its recent acquisition of Time Warner. Watch TV includes more than 30 live channels and is compatible with most every smartphone, tablet, browser, and device. The service offers access to 15,000 TV shows and movies on demand. Some of the available channels include AMC, Animal Planet, BBC America, Boomerang, Cartoon Network, CNN, Discovery, Food Network, Hallmark, History, uh, IFC, Lifetime, TBS, TLC, TNT, uh, Velocity, and even Viceland. Uh, the service is included at no extra charge in two new unlimited offerings, which are called AT&T Unlimited and More Premium and AT&T Unlimited and More. The premium plan is 15 gigs of high-speed tethering, high-quality video, and $15 in monthly credit towards DirecTV Now, DirecTV, and Uverse. Premium customers may track, may tack on, that is, one premium add-on such as HBO uh, or Pandora Premium at no additional cost. The simpler unlimited and more offering does not include tethering, limits video to 480p, and includes a $15 discount only towards DirecTV Now. AT&T Unlimited and un- more premium costs $80 for a single line and $190 for f- uh, four lines. Uh, AT&T Unlimited and more costs $70 for a single line, $160 for four lines. The prices require auto pay, do not include taxes, fees, or other device payments. And Watch TV will be av- made available as a standalone service for $15 a month. AT&T says it will have more bundles on the way. Verizon on Tuesday said it will stop making customer location data available to third-party apps and services. The decision follows last month's discovery that third-party companies don't always protect their data properly. Location Smart exposed the real-time location to millions of uh, uh, or of millions of AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, and Verizon customers without their consent. Accuracy um, uh, of the location data was as good as a few hundred yards. The breach caught the attention of lawmakers, including Senator Ron Wyden, who wanted to have the matter investigated. He said, when these issues were brought to our attention, we took immediate steps to stop it, said Verizon spokesperson Rich Young. AT&T responded shortly after, announcing that it, too, would cease the sale of subscriber location information to outside companies. Sprint said it's beginning the process of terminating its current contracts with data aggregators to whom we pro- they provide location location data. T-Mobile uh, CEO John Ledger uh, also tweeted, he said, I've personally evaluated the issue and have pledged that T-Mobile will not sell customer location data to shady middlemen. Well, hopefully they don't sell it to uh, a reputable middleman either. It would be nice if they just kept it private, but that's not going to be the case because they love monetizing you on the back end as well. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of uh, you know information that your carrier is getting from you. Obviously they know exactly where you are all the time because you've got your phone with you all the time. They know uh, probably the times when you're home because it's uh, likely in the, at night and so they, you know, they have all that information. They know where your office is or where you're spending most of your time. There's just all sorts of stuff uh, that you uh, could potentially be that that could be exposed if this information were to get out, especially in the wrong hands. So uh, it is nice to see that uh, they're stopping uh, the the practice of providing this location data, uh, at least uh, in uh, concept, is what they've said this week. Uh, T-Mobile and Sprint uh, this week officially petitioning the FCC for permission to merge. Uh, the companies filed a public interest statement with the agency that makes claims about why the merger is a good idea. They say uh, the promise to build a world-class 5G network will surpass the capacity of 
AT&T, and Verizon. T-Mobile and Sprint believe they can do it faster if combined. The two will also uh, believe the prices will go down as a result. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together, they say, will spur Verizon and AT&T to invest in a huge capacity increase that will drive down the price per gigabyte across the entire industry. Claims say uh, they, they claim consumers will see a 55% drop in the price per gigabyte. The two firms believe that the future of 5G will supplant the need for a wired service in the home and let millions uh, cut the cord and thus save money. Uh, the new T-Mobile is committed to bringing increased broadband coverage to rural communities using its 600 megahertz holdings, which will be served by 600 new stores and dedicated call centers. Sprint and T-Mobile also suggest it will offer stronger products to businesses and video customers. Lastly, the two believe the merger will create jobs, 3,000 direct jobs initially, uh, and over the co- a couple few years to come, another 11,000 jobs. Uh, and thousands more jobs would be created to support the 5G network build-out. So I doubt thousands more would be created because, you know, there's already tons of, of course, network uh, or, you know, engineers working on the radios right now. So I, thousands, that seems crazy. But thinking about this cost per gigabyte thing here. So if they're going to drop the price by 50 55%, and they're then they're kind of mixing in, well, we're going to make, make this basically a home internet connection instead of having to use, you know, a cable service. Uh, that sounds great, but I hope that's 55% cheaper than your home terabyte for uh, Comcast every month. So maybe it's going to be uh, $25 a month or something for the terabyte, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to drop the wireless price down by 55%, but then still charge you for having a home internet connection. They're, they're trying, going to be trying to push that. Uh, but I don't see how they're going to do that at that price. So if if you're you know contemplating using wireless service um, as a you know as a primary means of getting on the internet, uh, you've got to deal with a couple of very specific issues. Number one, um, there there's no way. Um, at least in in the the near future, the next couple of years, that you're going to have the capacity to be able to, you know, have everybody who wants to on and, and using, I'll just say, an unlimited amount of data. We'll call it a terabyte for for this discussion. There's, it's just, it's not going to be possible. Um, I'm not saying that won't happen in the future. And in fact, the technology that uh, the underlying technology that 5G might use um, could certainly support that. Uh, but what we're talking about are some significant investments in spectrum. Uh, especially where you've got congested areas, uh, where you're, there's just no way that it's going to work unless you we we figure out some additional, I'll just say, highways, uh, you know, of where this data is going to flow. Um, because if you take you know tens of thousands of people in an area and you try and all get them using the same spectrum, well, if you've ever been to a sporting event, you know exactly what's how this is going to work. So prices might be lower. Uh, they are going to p- be able to find some additional you know spectrum to use over the course of the next couple of years with some of the the upcoming auctions you know not mentioning the ones that we've already had um, and then finally I think it's it's going to be just the um, you know the kind of the marketing that's going to drive what this is going to look like because again think about your experience of going home and literally your phone, you know, connects to your Wi-Fi, your computers connect to your Wi-Fi, whatever. Uh, but if you're, what is it that you're going to be doing? You're going to be taking some sort of stick or something and plugging it into your home modem. It just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really seeing how this is going to play out. Yeah. And I'm not sure either, but let's take a look at the, uh, the actual merger here. So let's say, you know, maybe this merger fails like the Sprint and Nextel thing. I mean, that was a huge debacle. It nearly killed Sprint. Of course it killed Nextel and, and Direct Connect altogether, which was a huge industry. Um, but what if it succeeds? Are we going to see real competition to Verizon AT&T or 
are Verizon and AT&T just going to undercut them and still drive them out of business because they can both afford to do it, uh, both Verizon and AT&T. They just don't because they don't have to. Right. I mean, this is the other part of it, you know, seeing a, um, you know, a two party, uh, you know, two carrier um uh, you know, industry versus the three carrier industry, I think is going to be something that the, um, the FTC and the FCC are not going to want to, to happen. So I, I, I get your point that they have the, the ability and the resources to push them out, but I, I don't think they're going to be allowed to. The other part of it though, I, I think is, you know, T-Mobile has, has built up this very consumer focused brand where they're, you know, saying we're, we have all these value add things for you that you can use. Sprint, on the other hand, has really gone for the value play, and they've tried to say, you know, we've got, you know, almost as good of a network, and it's half the price, literally half the price of uh, either of the top two carriers. And so I think combined with that, you're, I, I don't I don't know that you're going to, with both of those, you've got too much that is focused on the consumer, um, and, and as, as long as they're able to continue to be, to have a, a viable, financially viable uh, business model, which, I mean, the, the investment that they're going to have to make, the capital investments, um, not only them, but everybody in these 5G networks, um, is going to be very taxing on these companies. I mean, it's going to be billions a year that they're going to be dumping in, and, uh, you know, certainly they're, um, they're, they're going to be watching that very closely. And, and this is where Sprint has run into trouble is because they didn't do it, uh, you know, kind of at the very beginning of when um, the technology came out, they were just, they still constantly feel behind the eight ball. Um, so there's, there's a number of things that, that have to line up here. And, and the one, I think one of the biggest ones is uh, for, for them to get this merger approved um, so that they can start their their process that they're talking about here, and and whether or not uh, that that savings comes to the customer in the in the form of fifty five percent decrease, um, I think is was just almost icing on the cake. I think it's um, there, among other things, you just you almost want it to just everything to stay the same and um, and just have the same the two, two, the two companies together. Uh, let's move on here. Let's talk about another uh, uh, company in the in MVNO specifically. Um, Unreal Mobile officially launching uh, this week after signing up around 50,000 beta test users over the last month. Uh, they are uh, a company under Freedom Pop, and they include unlimited service uh, that includes VPN, mobile ad blocking, and the ability for customers to use uh, an Unreal phone number on tablets, phones, and computers. All three Unreal service plans include unlimited talk, text, and 2G data. The entry-level plan costs $10 a month and includes 1 gig of LTE on top of that unlimited 2G data. Uh, the $15 plan gives you 2 gigs of data, and the $30 plan, uh, 5 gigs. Uh, the uh, for, the MVNO also lets you roll over unused data to the next month and also offers live support. The first three phones being sold are the Alcatel Dawn for $150, a pre-certified Samsung Galaxy S6 for $150, and a pre-owned iPhone 7 for $300. The carrier says customers will be able to bring their own device uh, later this summer, and anyone interested can sign up for Unreal Mobile on their website. In device news, Samsung this week said its Galaxy S9, S9 Plus smartphones will be available in gold starting on June 24th. 
The gold color joins red, black, blue, gray, and purple uh, that are already available. Samsung says the gold S9 and S9 Plus will only be sold at Best Buy stores, uh, bestbuy.com and samsung.com. Pricing starts at $720 for the S9 and $840 for the S9 Plus. Samsung Thursday made the Motorola Moto Z3 Play and the Moto G6 Play both on Alexa or with Alexa on board available through its Prime Exclusives program. Phones sold through the Prime Exclusive program have a single sign-on for all Amazon services, such as video and music. The phones include a number of Amazon apps as well. Uh, it's got a six-inch screen and is compatible with Moto Mods, uh, 12 megapixel camera, 5 megapixel secondary camera, uh, 8 megapixel selfie camera. Uh, the Z3 Play ships with a Moto Power Pack mod, and Amazon is offering a free Moto Smart Speaker with Amazon Alexa for hands-free access to the Alexa Assistant. Samsung, or excuse me, Amazon is also selling the Z3 Play for $450. Uh, $50 discount. The Moto G6 Play is a mid-range phone, 5.7-inch screen, 13-megapixel main camera, 5 on the front, $190 with a $10 discount, both running Android uh, 8 Oreo and compatible with AT&T Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon. Pre-orders are up right now, and they will start shipping on June 29th. TCL Tuesday said the BlackBerry Key 2 will be available to pre-order starting June 29th with an expected retail date of July 13th. The phone is expected to be sold unlocked from Amazon and Best Buy for $649. The Key 2 was announced earlier this month. Redesigned chassis, taller keyboard, better keys, dual rear cameras, Snapdragon 660 processor, 6 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage are on it. It runs Android 8 Oreo with BlackBerry's hardened security and business communication software. The Key 2 has a 4.5-inch screen with a 3,500 milliamp-hour battery. In software news, Apple on Monday said iPhones will soon provide 911 emergency services with more exact locations of callers. Since 2015, Apple has relied on the hybridized emergency location, or Hilo, which uses cellular GPS and Wi-Fi access points to estimate 911 callers' locations. Starting with the release of iOS 12 in the fall, Apple will use will use Rapid SOS, which is an internet protocol-based pipeline to share the Hilo location data with 911 call centers quickly and security. Apple says the new system will integrate the 911 center's existing software to more finely pinpoint location. And importantly, Apple says user location data cannot be used for non-emergency purposes. Uh, and 911 centers will only have access to location data during 911 emergency calls. By law, uh, the wireless network operators are required to locate callers within 50 meters 80% of the time, but not until 2021. iOS 12 is expected to reach iPhones and iPads in the fall. And I mean, for me, this is kind of one of those, like, of course, this is happening and, you know, get this in place soon so that we don't have these issues with people moving forward and, and calling 911. How could we have even that that long of a uh, time requirement to get that kind of data? It should be it should be right now. Years ago, we should have pinpoint accuracy, including the elevation of of exactly where you're at. Yeah, and and the elevation is is a big deal when you talk about uh, you know uh, cities and dense places and uh, you know whether it's in, in offices or residential building hotels. I mean, just think about all the places that you go where you take an elevator up and when you you know pull up your location on Google Maps, it just shows you as a dot in the building. And you know, obviously having that uh, that ability to find the elevation and then all the subsequent floor is really important. Right? Because can you imagine? I mean, uh, uh, think of a New York City high rise. Oh my God! There's what? How many? Four or five thousand people that 
can be in one of these things? How do you find somebody? It, you're 5,000 people in one spot. That, that's completely worthless, really. Yeah, and some, there's uh, some interesting thing, ways that you can, you can figure out this location or the, uh, the elevation. Uh, so first, uh, there's the you know, knowing what the height of the, the person uh, is off the ground and then being able to calculate that. Not nearly um, as accurate, perhaps, as um, some other methods. But uh, if you've ever done, um, used Google Maps and you've been in a, a multi-story, generally commercial building, so uh, a, you know, a, an airport, a mall, a casino, know um, there are multiple levels that you can view uh, when you go into one of these buildings and so what they've done is they've actually mapped out the Wi-Fi networks of these spaces and understand then when you go to one of those spaces you may not have connected to the Wi-Fi networks but uses the information that your phone sees to pull together uh, the best guess of where you are in this building and really best guess in many cases is all it has to do is you know triangulate or maybe even just get two or one Wi-Fi network, and it can do that. Uh, so it's a that's a pretty interesting way of doing it. But what that what the the, the struggle with that is is you're not going to do that in, with every high-rise building in the country. It's only the high-profile ones. So I, I'm not exactly sure how they how they propose getting that information. Um, but uh, you know, certainly they've got to do what they can because, to your point, I mean, you can't go into a hundred-story building and expect to find the person if you don't know where they are. If you just know, you know, to the the latitude and longitude, it doesn't necessarily work. So, uh, but still, very uh, very interesting. Good to see that this is on the way. Uh, in Android software news, Google on Monday outlining new functionalities coming to its Android Messages application. First, uh, messages will be able to send and receive messages from their desktop PCs. Users will need to enable messages for web in the mobile app, and Android Messages mobile application uh, will now be able to support uh, GIFs, so they will be accessible from the composition bar. Google is adding its smart reply features to Android Messages. The tool offers English-based quick response text and emoji suggestions with more languages supported over time. Moving forward, Android Messages will also bake in support for link previews. The, this way, way uh, recipients will be able to view an inline peek at a linked info. Uh, also, another new feature will provide people the instant copy access to one-time passwords that they receive via text message. Android Messages on the web is rolling out uh, right away with the rest of the features coming to the mobile app over the weeks ahead. Google this week began rolling out uh, continu continued conversation. This is an update to its Google Assistant that should make it easier to interact with. So with Google Assistant, excuse me, with continued conversation enabled in Google Assistant, people will be able to have a more natural back and forth conversation without repeating the keywords um, of, hey, Google, every time you make a uh, request. This is an optional feature, uh, according to Google, and must be turned on manually through the Google Assistant app. Google says people will need to say, hey, Google, to initiate that conversation, but then they can make follow-up requests such as shopping lists, timers, and reminders, and more without uh, repeating that catchphrase. The assistant will continue to listen until it's sure that people have stopped interacting with it. The continued conversation function is first reaching uh, Google Home, Google Home Mini, and Google Home Max. Google didn't say if or when other these features would reach the phones or other assistant-enabled devices. Why don't they have an N-word like, I'm done, or, you know, uh, I'm, I'm done with you, instead of just having sitting there listening and trying to figure out whether or not you're still trying to request things from them? That's a, actually a really good point, and, and presumably it's uh, if, it, if it hears you trailing off or something like that. 
Uh, but yeah, they, you're, that is a, you know, okay, so they say it's going to stop listening. What does that mean? How long is that, uh, et cetera? So, I mean, the, the, I think if you're using one of these devices, though, you've given up your, your privacy with the fact that you've got one of these in your house, right? Because it's listening all the time. That's how it works, is it listens all the time. So you're, uh, I personally don't have any, any of these. Um, I've got kids at home. I don't want them yelling at these things. I've seen other kids do this, and they, they go crazy for this, where they say, you know, hey, Google, play me this song or tell me about this and and uh, my my three-year-old even understands you know he can ask him you know hey google i want some ice cream and um you know it'll start telling him listings of ice cream places pretty interesting that is uh hey siri i know how that works on apple they claim that they only listen for that keyword and basically it's only a whatever that what is that a second one second buffer or mm-hmm. second and a half buffer and it just keeps recycling every second and a half until it hears that keyword then it'll start processing the audio once it hears that keyword and then it actually gets uh, directed to the processor, whereas uh, they claim that the um, the while it's listening all the time, it doesn't leave that uh, the microphone chip essentially, where it doesn't it's not mm. accessible to the OS at all until it hears the the magic word, and then it get that kicks in. And and the other the, the other thing I will say about that though is you can be talking about something totally different, and I've had this happen you know many times. It's probably once a month, once every couple of months, where it'll just automatically, or it would just in the background turn on, and all of a sudden it'll just have listened to like a big chunk of my conversation, and I'll pause, and all of a sudden I'll hear the, the two beeps, and I'll look down at my phone, and there's like a paragraph of text on the screen, most of which is pretty accurate uh, because it's been listening to me. Right, and it happened to me uh, two days ago watching TV. Nothing came close to hey siri but it sure did uh start picking up stuff and went and went on and on and on and it made no sense yeah i i don't quite understand why that happens and it, it happens regularly i mean you'll be in a meeting and all of a sudden you hear someone's phone go doot and you're like oh what okay so siri just picked up something but it's uh it's, it's interesting um either way uh yeah this is um this is a, i think an interesting feature that uh, for those that have these products will be able to continue these conversations without having to uh, continue saying that word Finally, in software, uh, the Car Connectivity Consortium this week announced release 1.0 of its digital key spec, uh, which will let people use their phone to unlock their car. So the spec supports the ability to lock, unlock, start, and share access to cars from smartphones and other devices. The underlying technology makes it possible for car makers to securely transmit a digital key to a mobile device, which makes use of NFC and a secure element to provide vehicle access. The Car Connectivity Consortium says it has lots of support from both phone and car makers. Some of the members include Audi, uh, Apple, BMW, Continental, uh, GM, LG, Qualcomm, Samsung, and Volkswagen. The CCC is already working on release 2.0, which expects to it expects to arrive in the first quarter of 2019. The group didn't say how long before customers will be able to use the technology or see it in their local showroom. So just announced BMW the new 8 series, which is kind of the uh, replacement of the former 6 series. I think it's a few inches bigger, but uh, they're kind of slotting it in more to compete with the the S, uh, the S class Mercedes, the S Coupe. Uh, anyway, that does use a digital key. It uses NFC, but you have to have a Samsung device because, of course, Apple's NFC is all closed off. So right now, I think you need an S9 or something like that uh, is the only phone that'll support the the NFC unlocking and starting of the car. The, the 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 thought is you actually have to put it into the wireless charging pad, and then that's what'll be the authentication for the engine start. Mm, interesting, and I, I don't um, I I love the idea, love the idea of being able to use your 
your phone as the key for your car. Uh, and before you ask the question, um, it's just like how t- the Teslas do it. In fact, they um, where you, the the backup is like this. It's a it's an NFC. Um, it's like, ca- a, like a door like a door card. Right? Yeah, it's like a card that you get at a hotel basically. Yeah. And um, so you know if you're concerned about what happens with your phone, you just throw this card in your wallet, and then you've always got a key with you. So. Um, but so th- that's interesting to hear that it's NFC based and only Samsung devices. So I, I think that's it, it. It's like a good proof of concept, but I think that fails as something to implement just because you're missing half of the market. And if you have to put it in the wireless charging pad, I don't really love that either. Because what if I'm just going a mile down the road? I don't want to be putting my phone down every single time. I, I don't even want it out of my pocket, frankly. Well, exactly. So that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. And especially what if you're uh, what if you have a purse? I mean, you have to then, what, go find the phone and dig it out and put it in the... It, it, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the comfort access is the way to go. I mean, that's that's the easiest way for, uh, you know, for most people to be using these. So um, I, I think the, uh, you know, in, in concept, it's great. We just, I think there's some l- tiny logistics that have to be worked out here. Uh, questions and comments this week. We've got one. It's from Phil, and he says, Mickey and Joey... Um, have either of you had a chance to use Xfinity Mobile, the Xfinity Mobile service, uh, and any uh, feedback on that? Uh, also, I understand they somehow either use Xfinity hotspots or Verizon to connect calls. Do they understand between the two as you move around? How seamless can that be? Sounds like it works well from everything I've read, but uh, it must be better process than when a phone's Wi-Fi gets captured by an Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspot, and it takes a while to fall back to the carrier's data network. That process is painful. Any ideas on how they can make this work? Long-time listener, appreciate what you do. So I mean, this is a great question, because obviously I, I know that fully if you ever have signed up or used Comcast, and then you're you're walking around, you pick up those signals all over the place. Right, Because that and, and you are right, Phil. That, that is what it's using, those Xfinity uh, Wi-Fi hotspots everywhere for the voice over uh, IP calls, essentially, on your phone. However, you need to, uh, I think what they're doing is if you're on a phone call, they probably change the priority a little bit where it's uh, monitoring the Verizon network to do more seamless handoffs. But yeah, I'm not sure how, how seamless it actually is. It's Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit different than um, the, the process that uh, the latest iOS has done for at least certain carriers where um, it doesn't, if you've got Wi-Fi calling enabled, it doesn't necessarily turn it on if you've got good service otherwise. Uh, and subsequently, if the Wi-Fi service isn't good enough, it won't log you onto it. Um, but I think I think to your point, it, they're they're giving the priority of um, the the quality of the voice call over what like you know ha- just having this feature turned on um, because obviously that's that's not going to fly. I have not personally used it though, um, so I can't tell you you know from any perspective of you know usage what that's going to uh, how it actually functions. But that's going to be my guess for it. Um, the uh, you know the other side that uh, that is not asked in this question is so um, you know we we've talked about this in the past it's it's run on the Verizon network um, it is a kind of a separate service uh, but obviously they are th- there's a partner here um, that that's that's working this through um, but you know if you are on Verizon and you call someone else on Verizon you get the voice over LTE the HD calling. Uh, that functions uh, very well. Um, also, if you if supposedly you you can do this from Xfinity over to Verizon customers as well, you just have to turn it on. We talked about that, right? So that's a that's definitely a nice feature to have as well. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the the point is is I think the the service is good. I believe it works as a 
advertised. Um, you know, for everything that I've read about it as well, Phil shows uh, that it, it it should be just fine. So I would uh, I would feel confident in that. And obviously, if you want to test it out, you know, don't drop your other service before you uh, you sign up for this one, and then you know move your phone over phone number over later if that's what your concern is. So uh, always better to test out something ahead of time. It really is because in your particular area, maybe there's a, a not that many uh, Xfinity hotspots available to use, and it may not work that great or some or something uh yeah. something that may not uh, cause it to be that wonderful yeah I, you know the other thing that is interesting about the service is that it's you know it's pushing for uh obviously most most of the 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 heavy lifting to be done off of the the mobile network, so it's done on you know Wi-Fi networks, and um, I'm not someone who jumps on Wi-Fi all that often unless it's a network that I know, uh, or I I'm in a in a pinch and I'm in an area where I just have to get it because I've got no phone service. But otherwise, I would much rather use my my mobile network. I do too. Yeah, it's much more secure and it's just easier to deal with because you're not turning on and off Wi-Fi or, or hanging on to Wi-Fi connections that aren't working well. Yeah, I was going to say the reliability of it seems to be better as well. And, you know, as we move into uh, you know, a 5G world, I think it's going to be even more and you're going to probably see, you know, the experience be in many cases better. Uh, that's going to be lower latency because the you know, Wi-Fi networks are, again, subject to all sorts of different uh, factors. Um, and then what is the, the underlying you know, broadband connection behind it? I mean, it, it's, if you've got a good 5G connection, then it's probably going to be better than whatever the landline one is, or at least as good. And um, the other side, uh, I was thinking when if you if you connect up to or you, you choose not to connect to Wi-Fi networks when you're out and about, um, you've got you've always had to think about, um, you know, how much data that you're using. But with many of the the plans that are out there right now, you're not thinking about the amount of data that you're using, or there's restrictions on the plans, um, such as, you know, the the throttling of music services or video services. So it doesn't, that doesn't really even matter. Um, and the software now on, especially on iOS, Android's had this forever, but on, on iOS, you're able to do a lot more with just cellular. Now, you don't have to have Wi-Fi, uh, which has not always been the case. My perfect example of this is photos. Um, you could never upload photos from the, the, the stock photo application without a Wi-Fi connection. Now you can do it all over cellular. And I would imagine I'm probably uploading you know, a, a gig or maybe even two gigs of photos every single month now over the cellular network because I want to have an instant backup of the photo if I can. So I love having that feature. Right. And of course, that's just, uh, you know, that's what's nice to have. If, as long as you have uh, enough data in your plan, which of course now there's, a, you know, bunches of uh, unlimited plans that are still limited, but it, it they're now getting big enough where most people shouldn't have trouble doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, most of the, I guess most people still, to think about it a little bit differently. That I, I see this all the time. People are constantly, you know, logging onto Wi-Fi on their phones, and I just, I'm always asked, like, why? What do you have a, do you have a limited plan? No, I just, it's just, I just do it to, so that I'm, you know, because that's what they've done. That's what they've been told to do. Um, you know, and I, yeah, I never do, um, especially networks that I don't know. I just, it just freaks me out. Um, but uh, either way, uh, so that, the, I think the kind of the the long, uh, you know, the long answer for you here, Phil, is. Um, the you know the the process uh, is is done in a way that it prioritizes an experience. So you I wouldn't expect you to have a problem with this. Um, 
Well, that's it for today. Um, obviously, Joey, this is uh, a lot of fun uh, to be here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love doing these live shows. It's too bad we're not to get there more often. Once a year, though, it seems like at this point. It's about uh, about normal. So ho- hopefully more, but it's tough. You know, it's it's not always easy to do traveling. Yeah, it is. And uh, or it isn't. Um, but the other side of it is, you know, this is uh, this is a fun, uh, a fun was it been a fun day for us. We've spent the entire day together. Uh, which a lot of the times it's, you know, I'm f- coming through here on a family trip and or something and I've only got a couple of hours, but we always want to try and get a show in. And we've actually been able to hang out today, which is, this is probably the longest we've amount of time we've actually spent together in like 10 years. At least it has to be. right Yeah. It, yeah. yeah it's been a blast. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's obviously fun for me too to, to be able to, uh, to come and, and do this with the equipment, uh, you know, that you have. And, uh, you know, I don't have to bring any, it's easy to not have to lug all the stuff around. Uh, cause when I travel and we record and I'm remote, then I still have to bring all the stuff. Uh, but yeah, so this is, this has been pretty nice. And we just a couple of microphones hooked up to a mixer plugged into a computer. And it's, uh, it's amazing how quickly we can do this. And we're even in a remote location today. We're not even, you know, sitting in a, like a, a fancy place. Well, it is a fancy place, but it's not a studio. So it's definitely not a studio, but, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a nice, uh, we're kind of floating right now in some water you know it's kind of nice yeah let, let let the listeners figure out what that actually means uh but uh, yeah it's been a uh, again it's been a fun day and uh yeah hopefully we can do it again soon uh well if you have any questions or comments for us we'd love to hear from you uh give us a call 650-999-0524 or send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.